Good morning, church. No matter who you are, no matter where you've come from, you matter to God. And you are oh so welcome on this third Sunday of Lent. This is not the worship service that I was imagining when I designed the order of worship for today. We are aware that churches in our area, including Monte Vista Chapel, and United Methodist churches in Stockton, Sacramento, Fresno, and Los Altos are not holding in-person worship services this weekend. Here, we took the decision to go ahead with services today with some significant modifications. We do ask you to maintain a safe distance of at least six feet from folks who are not part of your household, We are avoiding physical contact, so rather than greeting one another with hugs and handshakes, let's smile and wave to each other. Rather than passing the offering plates from person to person, we have two here at the communion rail. There are two more on the tables in the narthex, and we invite you to drop your gift in as you depart this morning. We also encourage you to leave the hymn books in the pew racks this morning. The words to all the songs we sing will be projected. If you are dealing with allergies like me, please cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue or with your elbow or with the tissue in your elbow. And then please dispose of the tissue as soon as possible. Keep your elbow. You'll need it later. Now, the six-foot social distance guideline is a bit tricky with our name tags. But we even have a couple of strategies for mitigating that. Or... Hi, Teresa. I appreciate your presence, your good humor, and your positivity. As my dear friend and colleague, the Reverend Ani Mysterian Wilson, pastor of First United Methodist Church in Modesto, wrote on Friday, in all of this, we are choosing preparedness, not panic and faith, not fear. God is with us. To that, can we all say amen? Amen. Our scripture reading is from John chapter 4. So, so he came to a Samaritan city called Zikar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God 
and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink. You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water, gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband, and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You were right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking, speaking to you. Just then, his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, What do you want? Or, Why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come, and see a man who has told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say, Four months more, then come the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for what you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. Excuse me. Would you mind if I asked you a few questions? No. No. Okay. Thank you. 
I was uh, wondering if you could share with us a little of what it was like to meet Jesus face to face. Well, it's sort of hard to explain. Have you ever met someone who seemed so familiar that you were certain you'd met them before? They reminded Mm. you of someone else so much? I mean, even though you knew you hadn't, they really were just so familiar. It was like that with Jesus. It wasn't his face that I recognized or his voice. And there's nothing in his mannerisms and the way he spoke or acted that I could put my finger on. In fact, all of that was quite unfamiliar. There was just something so, I don't know, like I was talking to someone who had known me my whole life. Hmm. When he spoke to you, what was it that he said that was familiar, that gave you that impression? Well, the fact that he spoke to me at all was quite a shock. Jews do not speak to Samaritans, at least no Jew I'd ever heard of before Jesus. And I've even heard it said that Jewish men are forbidden from speaking to women in public. They even ignore their wives and mothers outside their own homes. Imagine that. So you can understand my surprise that a Jew and a rabbi at that would speak to me, would ask me for a drink from my cup. I just assumed Jesus had simply been out in the hot sun too long. (laughs) Well, then what did he say? He talked about living water, water that would quench my thirst forever. At least that's what I thought he meant at first. Whoever drinks the water from this well will get thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give will never be thirsty again. The water that I give will become a spring within that will provide life-giving water and eternal life. Believe me, I would have given anything to have avoided the daily trip to this well. Most of the women in my village would come out in the early morning to draw water when the air was cool. They would talk about their children and their husbands and me. I preferred to wait until the middle of the day so I didn't have to endure their ridicule and their judgmental stares. Why do they treat you that way? Well, let's just say it's because of my domestic situation. You see, I'd been married five times, and I wasn't married to the man I was living with at the time. It was something of a scandal. But that's when I began to realize that Jesus was no ordinary man. He, he asked me to go home. He asked me to go home and get my husband and come back to the village. So I told him I wasn't married. But he already knew. He even knew about my five husbands. Hmm. My first instinct was to explain, to say that two of my husbands had died and the others had abandoned me. And as our law provides, that dissolved the marriage bond. You see, in our culture, in our law, a Jewish man, a man can leave his wife for any reason, divorce her for any reason, but a woman is forever forbidden from abandoning her husband. But then I realized it wasn't necessary for me to explain. Because Jesus already knew? 
Well, not that so much, although it was clear to me that he did know. It was more that it wasn't important. Jesus wasn't judgmental about my past. He knew everything about me, and none of it made any difference. I wasn't really sure what to say then, so I knew Jesus was a man of God, so I asked him about the proper place to worship. And what did he say to that? He said that the place itself wasn't so important, whether it was Jerusalem or Samaria or even here, I guess. He said what is important is that one worships God in spirit and in truth, being honest and open with God. Now, when did you first believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God? You know, I didn't think about it much at first. I was sort of in shock, I guess. I mean, Jews don't come through here that often. Most of them avoid our village and all of Samaria, for that matter. There was something extraordinary about a Jewish teacher who would come and stop at our village well, ask me for a drink of water, and then proceed to tell me my whole life story. It was as if Jesus was breaking down all sorts of boundaries with that one simple act. Mm -hmm. He was willing to defy prejudice and convention to offer me God's acceptance. So you knew who he was then? Well, he said he was the Messiah. Half of me was really skeptical and didn't believe him. But the other half of me already knew. Just then, his disciples came back from the village with his lunch. They seemed really surprised to see Jesus talking to me, but none of them said anything. Anyhow, I got up then and went back to the village. And then what happened? Well, I told everyone I saw about Jesus. I told them that he knew everything I had ever done, and I told them that I believed that he was the Messiah. Mm -hmm. Did people believe you? No, not at first but I did arouse their curiosity. They went out to the well for themselves, and then they realized that I was right. Not that they gave me any credit, mind you, but that's okay. I've since come to realize that none of us can experience Jesus for anyone else anyway. I now know Jesus as my Messiah and my Savior, and that has made a tremendous difference in my life. But I can't transfer that experience to anyone else. All I can do is tell my friends what it means to me and encourage them to get to know Jesus for themselves. And it was that one conversation with Jesus that changed your whole life? Entirely. You look a little surprised? Well, I am, I guess. It's just that in my experience, most conversions are gradual processes mm -hmm. that take place over time. Including your own? Yes, including my own. Well, of course. I mean, look at you. What do you mean? Well, you're a man. Uh-huh. You're a white man. Yes. In your culture, being included is something you have probably taken for granted probably since the day you were born. Being excluded or marginalized isn't something you have ever experienced, probably, and likely would never have tolerated anyway. 
You're right. That is true. But look at me. I'm a woman in a culture where women are mere property at best. To my own people, I'm a woman of questionable moral fiber. In the eyes of the Jews, I'm an ethnic minority person. I'm an outcast. And still, he spoke to you. And he accepted me. Jesus included me in his invitation to loving relationship with God. He looked beyond what everyone else saw in me. He knew everything that I had ever done. And still, he included me in God's love and reminded me, told me, that God loves me. Hmm. There's um, one more thing I'd like to ask you about. Mm -hmm. Whatever became of your, I mean, the... The man I was living with? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Funny you should ask. I went back to the village and I told him about Jesus too. I told him that Jesus knew everything I'd ever done and I mentioned that Jesus even seemed to know about us. That made him curious. So we went back to the well together and we listened to Jesus teach. We listened to Jesus teach about God, about how we should love God and love one another. So to make a long story short, we decided to become followers of Jesus together. We traveled with Jesus and his disciples for a few months, in fact. But then we realized that we were called to share our faith with our village back home. We were married shortly after that. Hmm. And now my husband is the leader of our village's congregation of Jesus followers. So then, you are a pastor's wife? Yes, that's right. You know, there's someone I'd really like you to meet. If you could hold on just a second. Where'd she go? May the strength of God pilot us. May the power of God preserve us. May the wisdom of God instruct us. May the hand of God protect us. May the way of God direct us. May the shield of God defend us. May the host of God guard us against the snares of evil ones, against temptations of the world. May Christ be with us. May Christ be before us. May Christ be in us. Christ be over all. May thy salvation, Lord, always be ours this day and evermore. Amen. for listening to this podcast of the First United Methodist Church in Turlock, California. This podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. For more information about our church, visit www.fumcturlock 
or call the church at 209-668-3000. Visitors are always welcome. And now, may the peace of the Lord dwell in your hearts this day, and may God bless you.